0: Friends, we'd like to turn our attention now. If you have your Bible, take your Bible open once again as we've been the last couple weeks to the first book of the Bible. Genesis, And we'll begin this morning in chapter 39. And while you're turning there, I'll just remind you that appropriately, in a time where people face so many pressures, both with the COVID restrictions, uh, possible job disruptions, job losses, health challenges, uh, political turmoil, the world seems upside down. And just when you think things are bad in Canada, you turn on the television and find out the U.S. has turned their crazy meter up to 11 it makes us worry because it's like uh, it's like the old saying uh, it's like a mouse being in bed with an elephant when they turn over we get squished so we know whatever turmoil and divisiveness division and nuttiness happening south of the border that's going to profoundly impact us as well and we feel the pressure of that the worry of that and yet God's word says This is nothing new, that as we look at the people of faith uh, throughout the Old and New Testament, we don't see any followers of God in this broken, fallen world that don't encounter hardships, trials, tribulation, daily pain, struggle, and pressure. Now, lest that comes off as seeming too negative, the Bible also says that in these times of pressure, God gives strength and blessing and gift and encouragement to not only endure the pressure, but triumph over it and come through it successfully. A couple weeks ago, we saw what we can only imagine it was like for Noah to be the only person with a heart for God in a profoundly sinful And fallen world. And we saw that Noah navigated his way through that by hearing the Word of God, believing the Word of God, and acting on it. And last week we began a two part look at the life of the patriarch Joseph. Joseph grew up in a believing family, he was literally the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What more could you be? And yet we saw his family was not without problems. That's putting it mildly. It was a profoundly bitter, divided, jealous family. It was dysfunctional in so many ways that just make your hair stand on end. And yet in that family, Joseph was a man of honesty and integrity. If anything, in the face of the jealousy and hatred of his brothers, he seemed Almost naive, it's like he couldn't imagine somebody hating him, because he didn't have that in his heart for others. Well, we saw the result of that. It was uh, violence, bitterness, and they sold their brother into slavery after first planning to murder him. And yet we saw an incredible truth that not only are there home wreckers, but when you walk with God, your home can be healed as well. Through repentance and honesty and reconciliation and grace, we saw that eventually Joseph and the very brothers who hated him were reconciled. And that through Joseph, God saved their lives. It's an amazing story. This morning, we want to pick up the story, though, between the brothers selling him into slavery and being reconciled to them many years later, what happened to Joseph in between? As I mentioned, Joseph, the son of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, knowing the one true God, he also bore the blessing of God's covenant with his forefather Abraham. I want to remind you what covenant God made with Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. We read, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the people of the earth will be blessed through you. The blessed life. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now Joseph, Bore upon their lives the great blessing of God. Can you imagine being the recipient of such blessing? So, in our thinking, it stands to reason that the blessed ones, their life must have been a piece of cake, a walk in the park. It must have been a blessed life. But if you think that, we're wrong. We don't know our Bibles because when you look at the ones upon whom this blessing rested, their lives were a struggle. (laughs) In fact, I look at Joseph's life in Egypt and I would use a different word than blessed. The first word that comes to my mind is forsaken. Forsaken. What does it mean to be forsaken? It means that someone whom you loved turns their back on you. You're forgotten, neglected, out of sight, out of mind, unused, left alone, forsaken. We recall the heart cry of Jesus bearing your sin on the cross as that sin cut him off from his father and he cries out in pain, My God, why have you forsaken me? God averted his eyes and turned his back on the sin of the world which Jesus bore. That's forsaken. And we see these marks in the life of Joseph as well. A man who must have felt forgotten and left alone, cut off from all he knew and loved. As I mentioned, we're in Genesis chapter 39. We look at Genesis 39 and see what happened once the Ishmaelite caravan bought Joseph, who was in the pastures as a young shepherd boy, found himself in a pit in the desert, now sold as a slave. We see he was sold and enslaved. Oh, how that must have hurt. See, his brothers take payment not a big payment either and he's loaded up his cargo taken to the slave markets of egypt where he was purchased by a high official named potiphar we pick up the story in chapter 39 of genesis verse 1 now joseph had been taken down to egypt potiphar an egyptian who was one of pharaoh's officials the captain of the guard bought him from the ishmaelites who had taken him there the lord was with joseph And he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Joseph ran the household. Because that blessing we spoke of was on him. Now this blessing seems to reflect the teaching of what a blessed life can look like. We find that in Psalm 1, that beautiful psalm. Psalm 1 begins, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. That was Joseph. Talk about making the best of a bad situation. You went from the pit to now being property, and yet now as a slave owned by Potiphar... Whatever Joseph did, God blessed. And he was successful at it. Potiphar, seeing this and recognizing that the Lord was with him, gave everything into his hands. Says, Joseph, you're in charge. I won't worry about anything. It says, not even the food on his table did he worry about. Joseph was in charge of everything. And it all went well. He was blessed. You notice the core of that blessing? It was that God was with him. He was with him. And friends, no matter how life looks today, no matter what we face in our circumstances, as children of God through faith in Jesus, we know that God is with us. Jesus came and taught us that lesson. One of his names was Emmanuel, God with us. And today, as children of God, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. God is with you in ways that Joseph would only wonder at. We truly are blessed. Despite what circumstances look like, God is with us. And yet, even that life was disrupted as he faced sin. Remember, here's Joseph, the man who had integrity in a a duplicitous, double-dealing, jealous, bitter household, and that did not stand him in good stead there. In Egypt, he was valued for it. And yet, there was one in Potiphar's household did not value him for integrity. And of course, that was Potiphar's wife who wanted to treat the slave Joseph as a slave. Him being property, she thought he could be her plaything. And yet he resisted. He says, I'm not going to do such a wicked thing against God and betray his master. He says, he's given everything into my hands except you, his wife. She cannot make him her plaything she was bitter about that. And you know the story. She makes that false accusation of an assault against him, and he's gone from being enslaved now to falsely accused and in prison. That bad situation has just gotten worse. Falsely accused and in prison. <laughs> she had evidence to prove it. As you know, it's kind of funny, we see the story of Joseph, it seems he's always losing his, his cloak, his outer garment. His coat of many colors was stripped from him and he was thrown in the pit. Potiphar's wife tried to grab hold of him and make him her own and he fled, leaving his outer garment in her hands. Later we actually see him leaving prison and leaving prison clothes behind. It's an interesting thing in the life of Joseph. But in this case, she had his garment and said, that Hebrew came to make sport of me. And she cooks up a story to tell her husband. We see that story in verse 19 of Genesis 39 and the repercussions from it. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison The place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Now time is going by. We don't know how long that phrase, while he was in prison. Likely, it's a number of years that takes place then. But while he was there, we see the same thing. God's presence and blessing is resting on Joseph. It says the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. It's the same thing happening again. Just as Joseph was a blessing to the household of Potiphar, Even in prison, he shared that blessing. Do you see an echo of what was happening in that covenant of blessing God made with Abraham? By blessing Abraham, all the nations would be blessed. By blessing Joseph, all around him were blessed, whether it was the slave-owning household or the prison itself. He became not only the trustee, but he ran the jail. I'm sure he didn't get day passes like prisoners can today. He was there in there. He was a fellow prisoner, but it was all put under his direction. It was an amazing and a powerful thing that we see there. God blessed him. Scripture writes to people in a similar situation to Joseph. In the Roman Empire, some people have have given numbers, very high numbers, an incredible high percentage. The majority of people living in Rome during the time of Jesus were actually slaves owned by other people. And so many of the early church, the church drew often on the people who had difficult circumstances. So it drew many, many people to faith who were slaves. And so it makes sense that the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter in the New Testament give advice and encouragement to people who find themselves in that situation. And speaking, the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, midway through verse 20, he's talking about suffering as a slave. He says, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, This is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now Joseph wasn't following in Jesus' steps. Joseph was foreshadowing the righteous who suffer as epitomized in Jesus. He was a foreshadowing of Christ. But we today, if we suffer for doing good, if we are falsely accused, we remember Jesus was falsely accused. As his followers, we seek to walk in his steps. Did he seek to justify himself? No. He was silent before his accusers. He left it to his father to do the justifying. We need to take a lesson from that and be encouraged by it. Rather than being forgotten, we're walking in the steps of Jesus. Once again, we see the very thing that put Joseph on the outs with his family, his honesty and integrity was highly valued in Egypt, both as a servant in a household and even as a prisoner in a prison. Joseph was blessed to be a blessing. And you have to think today as a follower of God, as a child of God, how have you been blessed? And how can your blessing be poured into the lives of others? God has called you and equipped you and gifted you. Use those gifts. As the Bible says, not in vain conceit or selfish ambition, but put others before yourselves. That's how Joseph lived. And God blessed him. And he prospered him in whatever he did. You're blessed to be a blessing. Oh, but time went on. We begin this story. Joseph sold as a slave when he's 17 years old. But the years marched by. His family becomes just a memory to him. He's in prison now in the story, doing time, and must have been feeling forgotten. Doing time, feeling forgotten. I so respect and am thankful for people who are involved in prison ministry because they are dealing with people who feel forgotten. They're doing time for their crimes, and the years drag by, and it's easy for them to lose help or lose hope and become bitter. That's why there's so much violence and hopelessness in prisons. We're just thankful for those who are involved in prison ministry. People like Ted Lance, our brother who was with us as a student at Prairie College. If you remember Ted, remember to pray for him because the church is meeting as Ted has been there sort of as an, an, doing interim work for this past year. And now the church is going to decide whether they want to continue with Ted as their pastor. So when you think of Ted, uh, be sure to pray for him this coming week and for the church in their decision as well. But Joseph's gift now, as he's in prison, remember that gift that God gave him that made his brother's hatred only worse? The ability to receive prophetic dreams? Well, it seems, connected to that, Joseph now, as a gift from God, will have the ability to also interpret prophetic dreams. As he says, the dream is for God and the interpretation must come from God as well. And so Joseph leans upon God for the interpretation. And it seems in this passage that God will give him the gift for that. When he was in prison, doing time, some other prisoners came. I'm sure prisoners came and went all the time. But being the prison where the criminals of high rank came, two of Pharaoh's court Now, you say, well, what are they? The chief cupbearer, the chief baker. It sounds like people from the kitchen. These were actually high-ranking positions because they prepared Pharaoh's food and his drink. They were the people who held Pharaoh's life in their hands. They are the ones that had to be the most trustworthy above any suspicion because they could poison the Pharaoh easily. But when they failed... Their punishments were often death. These two men, the chief cupbearer, the chief baker, wind up falling afoul, displeasing Pharaoh and being imprisoned. And it seems God gave them both prophetic dreams. They didn't know what to do with the dreams. The cupbearers, well, he was squeezing grapes into a cup and giving it to Pharaoh. The baker had baskets of bread on his head and birds are eating it. They don't know what to do with these dreams, But Joseph does. He says the interpretation comes from God and so he takes it to the Lord and he has the interpretations of those dreams. And it seems then that Joseph, it occurs to him, maybe this will help me get out of prison. It seems for once, maybe Joseph is depending on others rather than just God alone. Put in a good word for me, he's going to tell these men. Because one of them the dream interpretation is that he's going to be restored to power. We pick up that story as he's talking to the the cupbearer about the meaning of his dream. He says, this is what your dream means. Verse 13, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me, and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. He's saying, I wasn't born a slave. I was kidnapped. I'm unjustly a slave. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. He's putting himself into the man's hands. And just as he Foretold the man was restored to his place of prominence in the court of Pharaoh, right there to put in a good word for him. So, what does he do? All the way down to verse 23 the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Forgotten. That's part of being forsaken. Joseph was now languishing in prison. He's not a 17-year-old anymore. He's getting ready to celebrate his 30th birthday. And for much of his life, he has been a slave and a prisoner. That's the life of the blessed one. His circumstances are terrible, but God's blessing remains. And friends, sometimes we know we're in God's family. We know Jesus loved us and gave his life for us. And yet our circumstances weigh on us and put pressure on us and we begin to feel, and you can't always control those emotions, you begin to feel forgotten by God as if your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. Times like that, we got to hang on. It's like the old saying goes, when you reach the end of the rope, tie a knot and hang on. And I find the things that help me hang on are found in God's word three things to remember and they all start with P to help us remember them the first is hang on to the promise God has promised that you are not forgotten we've mentioned it before but one of the most beautiful illustrations of that is found in the book of Isaiah Isaiah chapter 49 verse 14 the people of God Zion were feeling forgotten and neglected by God But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Sometimes we say amen to that. But God, speaking through the prophet, says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. We used to tie strings around our fingers to help us remember. Now we put notices and alarms on our smartphones to help us remember. God doesn't need that to remember you. Jesus interceding on your behalf, he sees you on the palms of his hands. The nail scars will not go away. He won't forget you. He loves you too much. You're his child. Not only, friends, do you have the promise, you have his presence. He will neither leave nor forsake you. Forsaking is abandoning. God is with us. He was with us. He was with Joseph in the pit, as property, and in the prison, and he's with you today. One of the most often repeated promises of Scripture is God's presence. The Great Commission itself is based on God's promise. We find to Joshua and the people of God in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6 Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You have the promise that He won't forget you, and you have His presence, precious Holy Spirit, dwelling within. And what that allows is you have access to God. You're never cut off from Him. He's always a prayer away. And that's the third thing to remember after His promise and His presence is His prayer. We mention it often during our prayer time here in church. We are invited to bring our prayers to the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us Then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He's just a prayer away. His throne is one of mercy and grace for His children. The judgment has been taken care of at the cross. He welcomes you as His child. Come to me in your time of need and you will find help and mercy. Joseph may have been feeling forgotten, but oh, he was not. His timing must not have been God's because years went by. Years went by after he had foretold the dreams and been forgotten by the cupbearer. But he wasn't forgotten by God. God had a plan for him. And we conclude today with the final point is that we see in Joseph his journey from the pit. It's going to wind up in the palace. It's kind of funny they start with P. (laughs) From the pasture to the pit became property, wound up in prison, and then the palace. But there he didn't forget the journey he'd been on. When he came to that final stop, he looked back and remembered And it gave him perspective. And that's where we finish today. He moved from pain to perspective. When you are in the hard thing, when you're going through the fire, all you know is it hurts. You don't pause in your suffering and say, I bet years from now, I'm going to have some awesome perspective from this. Though I know sometimes when things are going bad, I often say to myself, one day we're going to laugh about this whenever I break something, spill something. And it's true. Invariably, you can look back and laugh at life's little problems. But life's big problems, you may never laugh about them. But you'll have perspective. Let's look at what I mean by that. Genesis chapter 50. It's years later. You know the story. We saw it last week. Joseph foretold the famine, Pharaoh puts him as number two in the kingdom, Joseph basically is ruling Egypt as the most powerful country in the world, and he's the most powerful man behind Pharaoh in that country, talk about a promotion, and now Joseph Joseph is able to grow the food and store the food and prepare the country after seven years of prosperity for a seven year famine that's going to affect that part of the world. And his family on the verge of starvation and extinction, they come to him. And Joseph recognizes them and putting them through some tests to to plumb out their hearts and see where they stand in regard to him, finally reveals himself to them. And he loves them and forgives them and they are restored. And then they go back and live again and Joseph lives and has kids and goes along. And In Genesis chapter 50, the last chapter of Genesis... Joseph's now 53 years old and he's been running Egypt a long time. And his brothers upon the death of his father Jacob known as Israel they are worried that Joseph has just been waiting for dad to die to get his payback. Again they start to look at their own hearts and said in our in, in his position this is what I would do. Not understanding Joseph at all, so they go to Joseph, and they're concerned that he is going to he is going to do something drastic to them, and so they cook up a story and send him a message. Joseph, before Dad died, he said, "Forgive your brothers for all the evil they did." I don't know if Jacob ever said that. It seems like they just made it up. But Joseph, when he heard it, it made him weep because he knew his brothers were still afraid of him, and so they come to him. And he reinforces that forgiveness. And in doing that, he shares the perspective that this journey has revealed to him. Genesis 50, beginning in verse 18. His brothers then came. They made the trip back to Egypt. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Boy, that's not what you say to a guy you sold into slavery. Don't remind him, but they said it. Verse 19, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Joseph's saying, it's not for me to judge. God's the judge of all of us. You intended to harm me. This is the perspective he gained, languishing as a slave and is in prison. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. <laughs> he goes on to tell them, so don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. We call this the Joseph principle. When people intend to do you harm, God can turn it around And use it for good. Joseph understood that which caused him so much pain in the end turned out to be for the greater good. And he got perspective an understanding of it. Now, brothers and sisters, I believe sometimes we're not going to get that far down the road to have perspective on all of the difficulties of life. But we will, in heaven, we'll understand completely and we'll thank God for all he brought us through. Joseph gained perspective. Scripture tells us in a number of places that we need to keep this in mind that we don't have all the details when we're going through the difficult times. We all know Romans 8:28 and we use it to encourage ourselves in times of trial and suffering. It says, and we all know and we know that in all things That's good things and bad. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Joseph loved God, and Joseph was suffering. You love God, but sometimes you suffer. But God can use all things for the greater good, for yours and for others. Did Joseph have any idea He gained perspective and knew that physical lives were going to be saved in Egypt and the greater world because of how God blessed him and gifted him and gave him the wisdom to bring them through that famine. What he couldn't conceive of was that you and I were going to be blessed by what he went through. That when you are at your lowest point, when you've received a difficult diagnosis from the doctor, when a relationship is on the rocks, when a job is lost, that God will encourage you from the suffering and successes of a Hebrew shepherd boy who went on an incredible journey. All things God can use for those who love Him. And perspective is understanding. That in comparison, the good God has for us is far greater than the suffering we'll go through. I think that's what the Apostle Paul, having been stoned to death in a missionary journey and got a glimpse of the glory that was awaiting him, and then God saying, I'm not done with you yet, you got more to suffer, sent him back to earth to be a missionary for years more until he got his head cut off by the Caesar. This Apostle Paul talking about suffering with which he was profoundly acquainted, says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, that can just be getting old. That can be a degenerative disease. That can be not having enough to eat. A roof over your head. Whatever God's children face, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And here's that comparison that perspective gives. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on the eternal, not the temporary. For what we see is temporary, what's unseen is eternal in comparison, gain perspective, we're able to face anything. Oh, when you go through it, it hurts. As the book of Hebrews says in chapter 12, God only disciplines those he loves. You're his children. But no discipline is pleasant. It is painful, scripture says. I love people who have been through the deep water, have been through the fire and are able to gain perspective and share it with others. I close with a quote from a person like that. Her name is Vanitha. She's written a book called Walking Through the Fire, a memoir of loss and redemption. Vanitha Rendell Reisner. Came across her on Easter, reading an Easter devotional that she had. And it seemed that that woman had been some, in some serious suffering in her life. So checking into her story, I found out that, among other things, she, she lost an infant child to a doctor's mistake. That she lost her marriage as her husband cheated on her and left her for another woman. And in the midst of all of that, she was diagnosed with a form of polio. In this day and age, polio for which she will be impaired, crippled the rest of her life. But God brought her through all of it. Having been through that and gaining the perspective, we close with a quote from her. She wrote it on Easter. And she said that Easter reminds her of Joseph and that chapter 50 Genesis Joseph principle, that you intended it for harm, but God intended it for good. Vanitha writes, <clears throat> Easter is a stunning reminder of Genesis 50 20. That what man means for evil, God means for good. In my own life, through the lens of Scripture, I can see that God has brought the greatest good out of the hardest events. But I say that in, res- in retrospect. At the time, none of my suffering felt even vaguely positive. Sobbing by my son's tiny casket was devastating. Receiving the divorce papers in the mail was beyond heartbreaking. Hearing the doctor say that my body was deteriorating and then watching it happen was agonizing. None of those trials felt redemptive. None of them could be celebrated. None of them even made sense. I never could have imagined that God would bring something beautiful out of my pain. I felt that my pain was deforming me, that I would forever be marred by it. I was, sure in, I was sure my best years were behind me before this happened, when I laughed easily and often, when I wasn't burdened with the memories of all that had gone before. And yet, somehow, even in those horrifying trials, God was doing something. Something extraordinary, something I could not have planned or foreseen. He was doing something in me that could not have happened any other way. It was strange and beautiful, wonderful and unexpected, the handiwork of God. Out of the most crushing pain and terrible despair, God was bringing glorious triumph. Instead of deforming me, my pain strangely deepened me it increased my capacity for God and for joy it made me see the world through different eyes eyes of faith and not eyes of hopelessness it helped me recognize that what I was going through was just a snapshot in time one day my life will be totally transformed let's pray together Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for myself. Lord, what we experience in the here and now is just that, a snapshot in time. We are creatures of time, but you are eternal. You know the end from the beginning. And Lord, you know that even in our pain, you can transform us not into something forgotten or forsaken, but deeper and more like Jesus. Father, thank you for the testimony of Joseph, his words, his perspective, his faithfulness, even in difficult circumstances, his integrity, his honesty. Lord, you blessed him that he could be a blessing to others. Father, today, help us to recognize that the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph is our God. And that the Jesus we call on, Lord, Joseph, believed in Him as well. Lord, help us to recognize that we have been blessed. Though sometimes circumstances don't look good, that we have been blessed. And Lord, Make us a blessing to others. This is our prayer. We pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you today.